I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to Psalm chapter 19. I want to talk about growth today. There's all sorts of ways to grow as a human being. We can go to conferences and listen to people speak about, you know, behaviour. We can join the footy club and listen to the coach. You know, you'll grow in a particular way. So you can kick goals. Probably want to kick goals for Jesus, don't we? Sometimes we want to kick a few behinds. (laughs) But goals are better. (coughs) So we want to look at growth God's way. So Psalm 19, and I want to read verses 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11. (coughs) The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. When change is successful, we look back and call it growth. When change is successful, we look back and call it growth. And this passage is about changing people, it's about reviving the soul. And it's about becoming wise. And they are things that we need to attain as we travel through life. We need to be changing. Our souls need to be revived. And wisdom is very necessary. <clears throat> do you know, <clears throat> if you feel that you do not have much wisdom, do you know how to get some? James says, us, us, Lord, us, Lord. If you are low in wisdom, there's no excuse. Just ask the Lord. He will put you in situations where you must choose to be wise or unwise. If you choose to be unwise, then you can learn from the mistake and then you'll grow in wisdom. It's easy. As believers... We have been entrusted with God's, folks, unchanging word. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? It's just in this world where 
there is so many things that are changeable and my phone, it updates all the time and the computer, you know. But the Bible does not need to be updated. It is rock solid. Rock solid. I like that. God's word comes to us through both the New Testament and the Old Testament. And prior to the new covenant that we have with Jesus, believers had the law, Ten Commandments, the law, that's what they had for guidance before Jesus came on the scene. At that time, God's law was written down and had to be read, it had to be understood, and above all, it had to be obeyed. It's a bit like the road rules. They too have to be read. Helen went for her learners, got the L's. Oh, no. Oh, dear. (laughs) And she had to study for it. She had to read the instructions. She had to understand them. And now we put the L's on and she has to put them into practice and learn to stop at a stop sign and other areas of driving instruction. We can remember most of the road rules, can't we? But can you remember all of them? How far are you allowed to park from a bus stop? Who knows? I just figure as long as the car's in the white box, you're okay. (laughs) Um... And that's because the laws are more in our mind. We're aware, but they're not really in our heart. We don't know them off by heart. The Old Testament law was fulfilled when the new covenant was established with Christ. The law was taken from our minds and placed into our hearts. This means that believers don't have to physically think, Am I breaking God's law or not? But we know by the conviction of the heart and the fruit that we display whether or not we're committing sin. Let me use David as an example. So it's a bit of a warm night. He slips upstairs onto the rooftop to get some cool air and he looks across at the neighbour's roof And there's Bathsheba taking a bath. Now he's got a decision to make, doesn't he? He made the wrong decision, didn't he? But right at that time, he should have obeyed God's rules. Got him into trouble. Got the girl pregnant. Then the baby died. Didn't even need to happen. So verse 8 says, The instruction of the law brings joy to the heart. Its commands enlighten one's eyes. That is, brightens his life and gives guidance. The statutes, verse 7, the precepts and commands in verse 8, the ordinances in verse 9 are all specific instructions within the law. Joy and guidance fill the soul of one who meditates on and follows God's commands. 
Are you one that shows obedience to God? Or if you are, then joy and guidance will be in your soul. But when change is successful, we look back and call it growth. You're going to hear me say that. When change is successful, we look back and call it growth. The law is pure. The law is pure. The law is sure. The law is righteous. It was designed to cause believers to obey God. That's what the Ten Commandments was all about. To show believers how they can be obedient to God. Because Adam and Eve mucked it up. They got punished. The whole world got mucked it up. And they got flooded. And now God says, well, enough's enough. I'm sick of this disobedience. They can't figure it out for themselves, so I'll write it down for them. Moses, come up the mountain. Let's have a chat. There is a cost to obedience to God, and the cost is leaving the world's standard behind and applying God's standards to our lives. At the end of the day, the world's standards will not get us into heaven. Yes? No. Out of obedience, or out of obedience to God, comes righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is doing what is right according to God's standards. That's righteousness. So you read this book and you think, oh, what are God's standards? Read the Ten Commandments. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Read any part of it. You'll find out what God's standards are and then live according to that instruction. Is that too hard? So it is sometimes, isn't it? But it's possible. To fear God is to fear the law. The purpose of the law was to put fear into the hearts of humans. Disobey this law and you'll be punished. Puts fear into you, doesn't it? You know, do bad things and you'll go to jail. It's the same. Puts fear into us. As believers' lives change in relation to obedience, our souls are revived. Revival of the soul is growth. And when change is successful, we look back and call it growth. Let's talk about wisdom. Understanding and fulfilling God's law creates wisdom in the heart and mind of the believer. Now, at another time, I'll get this lid on.
At another time, David found God's statutes desirable and enjoyable. He compared them to gold and honey, even in this very passage that we read. And when we follow God's ways, we also find that they are both desirable and enjoyable. But more than that, as we grow closer to God, we find that his peace begins to fill our heart. And it leaves us with this inner peace that the world <clears throat> that the world cannot offer. The law is not a burden to believers who are trying to please God with their lives. For David, keeping God's statues statutes warned him of the dangers of follies and sin. And that bought, well, that can bring a reward if we are aware of when sin presents itself to us. And we need to make a decision, don't we? Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and the devil said, oh, here's some bread for you. All you've got to do is take these stones and turn them into bread. Oh, too easy. No. Won't be tempted like that. Reward from God can also be yours by avoiding, folks, the dangers of sin. And sin is dangerous. To go near sin is dangerous. Helen was telling me even this morning about a top pastor in Kenya, a bishop in fact, and she's saying how he walks this very fine line. Yes, he's good, he's okay, but he walks a very fine line. And folks, I don't think it's wise to walk too close to the fence, you know what I mean? Keep it well inside the yard. You won't get into trouble that way. The good news is that we don't have to do this in our own strength because we can't. We have the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what's important. And one thing that we must remember is that there are two powers at work, right, in this world or in our hearts even. One is the power of sin and one is the power of God, okay, or the power of Christ, however you want to put that. There are two powers at work. Can you tell me which is the greater power? Exactly. Exactly. The power of God is greater, folks, is greater than the power of sin. Now, I don't need a show of hands. I know that every person here has experienced the power of sin in their life at some stage or other. And it's strong. It can be strong. It can be desirable. But the power of God's stronger. No matter what sin 
is or how it presents itself, the power of God is stronger. That's good news, folks. We are on the winning side. And the, the arithmetic equation is that when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. Yeah? So how many's left? Two thirds. Yeah? So who's winning? Hey. But it gets even better because every time someone receives salvation, it's two thirds plus all the Christians plus one more. And one more. And one more. Yeah. On the winning side, folks. Be encouraged about that. Jesus fulfilled the law. So now that means that we are required to follow the convictions that the Holy Spirit brings to us. We don't get convicted by the law anymore because it's been fulfilled. But we do get convicted by the Holy Spirit. And you know when that conviction comes, you know, you feel something in here, don't you? What, do you break out in a cold sweat sometimes? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, I repent. It's only then that we will be living God's way. Are you going your own way on the downward spiral to hell or are you going God's way in the upward spiral to heaven? Gary said something this morning about, I think it was in his prayer for the tithes and offerings, that God doesn't need our money He's got all the gold. You know, like, his streets are paved with gold. There's this bloke and he wanted to take a suitcase of gold to heaven. It's only pavement. It's like taking a suitcase of asphalt to the Queen. And saying, here you are, Liz. It's only pavement. You know? Are you going your own way? Or are you going God's way? When change is successful, we look back. And call it growth. The perfect law of God can change people. It revives a soul. And the laws, statutes can be trusted to make one wise. When change is successful, we look back at it. And we call it growth. Reaching God doesn't have to be hard. If we can survive in this world up to the point of salvation in our own strength, then we will have no worries at all surviving in God's world. <coughs> in his strength. When change 
is successful, folks, we look back and call it growth. And it's my prayer today that we do change and when we see that change and when we look back at the change that we say, wow, I've grown. I've grown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 19 and all that it means to us. We pray, Lord, that we can change with your help that we can grow in righteousness, wisdom, in stature. We pray, Lord, that you'll use us even this week, even this year, Lord. 2019 unfolds before us. And maybe we'll get to May or July or September and look back and say, wow, I have really changed. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, you'll be with us this day, from this day forward. Help us in all the struggles of life that we go through. Lord, we want to make it, not on our own, but we want to make it with you. We pray your blessing upon us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.